This is the Create Love, Create Freedom podcast. My name is Allison Fisher, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about secure attachment. Um, I spend quite a bit of time on this podcast talking about insecure attachment styles, um, particularly because I am someone who um, in the past and through my childhood, um, was anxiously attached. And I have been spending many years on working on healing, um, from anxious attachment and also really working on healing from attracting very avoidant men. Um, that I find it really interesting that you know, we all deeply desire love. Um, We desire closeness with other people. Um, But based upon whether or not we are securely or insecurely attached also can determine, um, you know, who we're attracted to. And um, about four or five years ago, that was a really big thing for me. Um, I had one really bad relationship. And I came back as a shadow of the woman that I am, um, or the woman that I was before I went to meet a guy. And, um, I said, this, this can't ever happen to me again. And so that's one of the reasons why I particularly really appreciate studying attachment style and really work on healing. And, as we've talked about on many episodes of this podcast, um, I personally um, am on my own healing journey and have been doing a lot of that healing. So I really wanted to take some time to really look at secure attachment because that is definitely what I'm moving towards. Um, there are things that trigger me uh, still in relationships and that are always going to just like if you start out with secure attachment, you're still going to have baggage. You're still going to have um, wounds and trauma that you've got to work through. Everyone does. But those wounds and trauma might hit a little different, um, kind of on your soul, um, because of the kind of family that you came from. You didn't have a lot of the tumultuousness that someone who developed anxious attachment or avoidant attachment or disorganized attachment uh, did in childhood. So as I said, uh, we are going to be talking about some of the strengths as well as some of the struggles of someone with secure attachment. So when we talk about the strengths, um, Securely attached people are generally very comfortable with intimacy in a relationship. Um, also know that if you have had insecure attachment, this is one of the ways that you also know that you've been doing some healing. I know for myself, um, being someone who was anxious, I used to cling a lot. Um, I used to have a lot of obsessive thoughts about if someone likes me or what does that mean or kind of over analyzing things. Uh, there are also a lot of people who tend to under analyze things in their relationships. And so they tend to get in very negative relationships, um, with people who are not good for them. Um, but for me, that has never been a problem. <laughs> I am always someone who over or was someone who over analyzed. Now I don't feel that way at all. Um, there's a lot more calmness. There's a lot more security, like self-security because of how I view myself now, because of all the work that I've done to heal a lot of other wounds. That's really helped me heal my insecure attachment and then move towards really secure attachment. So I feel very comfortable with intimacy and relationships. And now if I don't, I can really take him in the relationship with say, hang on, I'm feeling a little triggered right now. Um, you know, I am, I, I'm going to 
I'm going to need to take a minute to really regulate my own nervous system. But in general, I feel a lot more comfortable with intimacy and relationships. So another strength of someone who is securely attached is that they start out by really assuming that their partner means well. And so they're very quick to forgive in an argument or when their partner makes a mistake. Um, They may be someone who does ask for some space. Uh, They may need to step away a little bit from the relationship as well. Um, But one of the beautiful things that I have found is that they will also let you know when you can expect to hear from them again. And that's actually a practice that I've really tried to put into my relationships as well is, hey, you know, I'm, this is a really tough conversation that we're having. I'm glad that we're having it, but it's bringing up a lot of things for me. Um, give me a couple hours or give me, you know, um, till the end of the day, or let's talk again tomorrow. And then I can really, you know, uh, maybe go for a walk, maybe think through some of those things. Um, and, you know, let the person know when we can continue the discussion or start a new one. Um, after I've needed some space so that nobody really feels like, um, gosh, you know, this person is just pulling away from me. Um, someone who's securely attached might raise their voice. Um, but I find that people who are more securely attached don't generally go on the character attack. Oh, they're still going to be pretty passionate, pretty heated in the moment. Um, as they, you know, discuss things with you or they have an argument or, um, you are in a moment of conflict. But they, because of their childhood, because, you know, uh, the kinds of parents that they had, they watch their parents generally not attack each other's character and instead really focus on the problem. And I think that that's a really important aspect of moving towards secure attachment. And so if you do find yourself in a heated argument, let's say with your partner or with your parent or with a colleague or, um, you know, a friend, and you do start to attack their character, I think that the real big key is to recognize it in the moment. It's always hard, but I have found that when I'm aware of that thing and when I'm like, oh, wow, that's actually something that I do um, in the relationship or in the moment of conflict, okay, next time I'm, I'm going to try to be much more aware of that. And so then while you're doing it, you can stop at any point, you, but you can stop and you can say, you know what, I'm attacking your character right now. That is unkind. It's unproductive and very unhelpful. It's demeaning towards you. And it also is steering us towards not being able to resolve this conflict or more than just resolve it, right? Uh, coming to some sort of compromise, but really repairing what we've got going on. Um, I read a lot of Dr. John and Julie Gottman, uh, several of their books on um, marriage. I really appreciate because I'm also a terribly analytical person and terribly, I mean, two thumbs up. Um, but I tend to be a person who really enjoys the research behind things. And when a couple is very focused on the repair repairing the relationship after a conflict, finding common ground, you're never going to solve any of the, you know, the, you're not going to solve the problems a lot of the time. That's what the research shows. But instead, you can take those moments and really put your partner first. Um, And they can also do the same for you. Hey, I heard what you said. I don't agree with you. I totally disagree. Um, But yet, how can we both make sure that we're heard, we're seen, we're loved, we're understood, and that we come to some sort of 
um, you know, common ground, some sort of um, compromise, right? I don't need to attack your character because you think differently than I do. The interesting thing is, is that can really take you, you, you can really take that, I should say, into other aspects of your life. Um, I used, so as an undergraduate, I studied um, international relations and um, policy um, and, you know, business as well. But what I found was in a lot of my law courses and a lot of my um, political science courses, you know, I really cared about my opinion. And over the years, and I think part of this is simply just aging, but over the years, I've been able to let go of needing someone to think the same way that I do. I can still respect the person. I can still hear what they have to say. And I can completely disagree with them and not necessarily think less about them. Now, granted, there are some topics, right? Uh, child abuse, or let's say it's something that extreme, right? Um, where, you know, I've got a f- pretty firm stance on something. But for the most part, you can take this kind of conflict resolution, this kind of uh, repair attempt, this kind of not needing to cling to your thoughts or your ideas or attack another person's character into other facets of your life as well. And to kind of piggyback on that, another strength of the secure um, person is that um, even in the heat of the moment, the secure person is going to make bids to reconnect with you emotionally. Um, and that's a that's also a learned behavior, right? Um, just like when we come from a space of insecure attachment, we also learn the opposite. So we can learn how to try to reconnect emotionally. And not only is it good for our partner or our friend or our colleague, but it's really good for us too. It actually helps us rewrite the narrative, the story that we tell ourselves about love, about conflict, about the person in front of us. We don't become resentful of them. The more that we try to do some bids of emotionally reconnecting. Uh, Funny enough, uh, just as a little side note, for me personally, um, I have heard several instances where couples will you know, if they start kind of raising their voice or they start, you know, kind of having this deep conflict, um, they have a pact with one another where they will actually hold each other as they're sharing some of their truths or they will dance together. And at first I was kind of like, huh, okay, that's kind of interesting. But really touch is also a way to reconnect. I would also pay very close attention to your love languages. Um, What does the other person need from you? I'm a really big quality time, words of affirmation, not just the, wow, you're looking really hot today. (laughs) That really doesn't, I mean, that's great. But um, for me, it's those deep connecting conversations. Um, I, on the Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ and I'm a type four on the Enneagram. And, um, you know, with, with the Enneagram, I'm also a, I kind of come out uh, similarly, you know, about the same amount in terms of I'm a self-preservation for, and I'm also a sexual for. And so that need for that one-to-one connection is really important. Um, another one of my love languages, um, kind of the third one for me is physical touch. And there's something about that when you you can't be as angry with the person if you're holding them. So anyway, just a, a little tip there that I definitely like to take into my next relationship. Um, again, the, the secure person will often, you know, in their bid to reconnect emotionally, they'll make a joke. They'll lighten the moment. Um, they'll reference a shared experience or they'll, they'll make physical contact. Um, sex is usually 
emotionally intimate with someone who is securely attached because they don't need to create distance in the relationship by treating sex and intimacy as two separate things. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading, um, research, taking courses, doing some things on um, uh, sexual polarity, um, but also uh, one of the books that I've read um, a couple years ago was by David Data. Uh, he wrote The Way of the Superior Man, whether you're a man or a woman. If you have not read that book, please check it out. It's, um, ladies, it will very much put the standard of the kind of man in front of you um, that really feeds your deepest feminine soul. You will understand yourself a lot better. Um, but if you are a woman, do check out David Data's book, um, Dear Lover. Um, when I read through it, I usually have tears streaming down my face because there's something about the way that he talks about um, a woman, her openness, her need for that kind of connection, um, and the way that the masculine can both find freedom through sex and love, and the feminine can find um you know, uh, deep love, um, that, that, that yearning that she really craves. And in, uh, one of David Data's books, um, which is called intimate communion, um, communion, he really talks a lot about sex and intimacy. Um, there's a few others of his, of his books that he does the same. And I have found that healing my anxious attachment also really means healing my fear of intimacy, which is very much connected to my fear of abandonment. Funny enough, the same thing is true with the um, those who are avoidantly attached. They usually come to it first with a fear of intimacy but it's fed, it's fed from a fear of abandonment. And I have personally found that someone who is anxiously attached usually has a fear of abandonment, but it also is fed into because of a fear of intimacy. And that fear of intimacy has really, in order to become more secure, I've really found that really opening my worldview um, on sex, intimacy, um, certainly even like kink, you know, different kinds of things, different kinds of sexual expression has been really important. Another aspect um, for me personally, in terms of that kind of healing, has also really come through um, understanding feminine archetype. I did a podcast um, a few months ago about the seven feminine archetypes. And a few of the ones that I've really had to heal, um, because most most women have the lover archetype, um, and it's paired with multiple other archetypes. For me, I have four very strong feminine archetypes. There are seven, and there's a few that I use when I need them um, because of the different stages that I am in my life, whatever. But I want access to all of them. But one of the ones that I really had to heal was the lover. Uh, which is Aphrodite. Um, for a long period of time, there has been a lot of, I guess, indoctrination. Um, and again, I am not uh, putting down Jesus or, um, you know, Christianity, um, but I do sometimes struggle with the Christian church's views on sexuality. Um, again, I did a podcast on the Madonna horror complex. So if that's of interest to you, uh, please check that out as well. But being connected to my very magnetic, um, very sensual, very erotic lover energy has really helped me build also a healthy feminine and a healthy masculine within myself. And that has also really played into becoming more securely attached and also being able to see that secure attachment in other partners, um, being able to see it also in their sexual expression. So 
another aspect of, you know, a strength of someone who is securely attached is um, they're really secure in their power to make changes in a relationship because they don't think that compromise requires sacrificing all of themselves. I've found that people who are anxiously attached, and this was definitely me, I would kind of lay myself out as a sacrifice in a lot of ways. Um, it's all me. It's all my fault. Of course, you're perfect and you're right. Um, and again, it came from these deep emotional wounds of being too much and not being good enough at the same time, really low self-esteem, self-worth. I've talked a lot about the fact that, um, you know, my mother struggles a lot with um, uh, borderline personality disorder. And that kind of fed into some of those fears. Then again, my father came to raising his children with a much more, like he was much more securely attached, but his relationship with my mother is very codependent. And he came to the relationship with anxious attachment as well. And so, you know, this kind of needing to sacrifice myself completely, um, totally give over my dreams, my desires, whatever, at, you know, at the expense of somebody else, um, has been part of, um, my past, uh, my dating history, whatever. Um, now I've also found the opposite to be true for someone who is avoidantly attached. Um, they tend to be the people who, uh, will kind of stonewall and will do the, no, no, no. Um, I won't compromise. Because if I give too much of myself, you will, you will take too much. You will take over my life. Because again, that was their experience with their parents. They would either physically, emotionally, mentally, um, you know, psychologically take too much because most likely their parent was very unhealthy, which is why they came about, um, came by their avoidant attachment. And so, Again, another way that you know that you're becoming more secure is that for me, as someone who was anxious, the more that I built my internal dialogue, the more I changed what I said about myself. I'm not stupid. I'm not an idiot. And then I would correct myself. Nope. Let's, let's change the narrative. You did something weird. You did something silly. Um, you made a mistake. You failed. So what? You know, it's not that big of a deal. It's it. It's not a representation of your character. You know what? Like you spent money on the wrong thing. Okay, let's fix that. What was the root cause behind wanting this thing? Or, um, you know, where it was a purchase that just wasn't a good purchase and um, it cost me some money. Okay, so what? Um but it it really kind of came down to fixing that self-worth, that self-esteem. And that came from how I chose to view myself. And part of that uh, was that um, after that really bad relationship that I had, um, I read The Four Agreements and The Fifth Agreement. Uh, those are two books by Don... Okay, um... Raul Luis, I don't know, something like that. Anyway, um, he's a really phenomenal man. I can't believe that I'm forgetting his entire name, but that's all right. That happens sometimes. Um, I read the four agreements and the fifth agreement, uh, actually listened to them uh, every month for an entire year. And it was very life-changing. Again, they're only a couple hours long, so it wasn't you know that big of a deal. Uh, but it really put into repetition and reiterated to me that, you know, we don't have to believe everything we think. We don't have to believe everything we feel. We can allow those things to come and to kind of move through us, wash over us kind of like a wave. Um, I don't have to grasp at old stories. Um, when I come across a really kind of stonewalled belief, 
I can begin to deconstruct it brick by brick, stone by stone. Um, and then also understand that don't take anything personally. Um, I think partly because I'm an INFJ, I tend to take things or used to tend to take things very, very personally. Um, and now, yeah, I care about the opinions of a few people. Most everybody else, I don't give an F about. I, I don't care. I don't care about your opinion. You don't know me. Um, now, if we're having a conversation or something, you know, I will change the the narrative on that. But I think that, you know, changing how I saw myself, knowing that other people's opinions don't matter because they're looking at me through their lens, their worldview, all of the stories and the trauma and the wounds that they're viewing life through. So then it isn't about me. Most things that people will say that are negative or whatnot aren't really about you. They're about the day they had or the stage they're in in their life or um, also, you know, just simply how they view things. Now, sometimes it is about you. When I have a friend who comes to me and says, hey, I don't like how you did that, how you handled that or, um, you know, how you treated me there or whatnot. Well, then it very much is about me and I can take responsibility for that. But I also don't need to take responsibility for everything else that someone does or says. And this really helped me realize that compromise doesn't mean sacrificing all of myself for someone. So therefore, I can make changes in a relationship. I can grow. The other person can grow with me. Um, there is a psychologist and um, therapist, you've probably heard of her. If not, please check out the many podcasts and um, YouTube videos that she has done. Her name is um, Esther Perel. And she is Belgian. Um, and she has studied a lot on um, affairs. And this actually, these actually might be some good topics in the future to discuss on the podcast. Um, but, you know, she talks about how particularly in the United States, we have this kind of very stagnant view of our relationships. And it really influences the power that we feel like we have in the relationship in changing ourselves and allowing the other person to also change and grow. And one of those things that she said was, I've been married to multiple different men, multiple different versions of the same man. And she said, yes, I've been married to my husband for, you know, X number of years, whatever. I don't know exactly how long they've been married, but she said, the man that I married at 30 shouldn't be the man I'm married to at 60. And I think as Americans, a lot of times our culture really reiterates that we should always be in the honeymoon phase, um, the springtime phase. And that's not always the face of relationships, nor our own personal lives. And so allowing ourselves to grow and change within the relationship and some of the beliefs that we started with when we started the relationship will not be the beliefs that we end with. Um, so again, that's, that's another mindset of someone who is securely attached and one of the ways that you know that you are moving towards uh, being more securely attached. Um, people who are securely attached also believe that there is plenty of time and opportunities to find love. That one was a big one for me. Um, society puts a lot of pressure on us as people. Um, both male and female, uh, men and women, feminine and masculine. Um, and that's kind of been a pressure point for me and was a big thing that I had to change in my own mind. It's not too late. Um, even if at some point I can't have my own children, I can still adopt. Um, you know, I, I hear stories about women who, you know, are still 
having children uh, into their at least early 40s. It's okay. You haven't run out of time. Um, those are a lot of times that, you know, lies that society will often tell us that they will try to ingrain within us. If you haven't done this thing by this age marker, you're not on the right track. And that's not true. Um, and I think one of the other things that someone who is securely attached, um, also kind of, uh, also believes not only do they have plenty of time, but the other is they have opportunities to find love partly because they make opportunities for love. Um, but they're also in the process of building the best life that they possibly can. And it's not that on the outside, sometimes someone who's anxiously attached or someone who's avoidantly attached might not be. But I think it's also kind of listening to, again, their, their dialogue, um, with you and how they speak about themselves. Because we, when we create those opportunities in our lives, when we create the opportunity for there to be space for someone, then someone feels like they can be part of your life. Uh, the last relationship I was in was actually with someone who was um, avoidantly attached. And as I was becoming more securely attached, I wasn't as emotionally in tune to him. And I wasn't as emotionally or spiritually or psychologically attracted to him. Um, it wasn't that I didn't want to be because I very much did, but he was not moving forward on his, his own journey. Um, and it was very hard to leave the relationship, but I also knew that there were plenty of other opportunities for love, um, for being close to somebody who could meet a lot of my needs and would allow me to meet a lot of their needs. Um, those kind of beautiful, healthy, emotional needs that we all have. Another um, sign of someone who is securely attached is they're open to romantic relationships, but they don't desperately need or reject them. Um, they are not typically people who are jealous. Uh, they do typically trust a partner and they will voice a problem when a problem comes up for them. Uh, they won't nitpick on the person. They also won't avoid any problems, uh, you know, unnecessarily, um, kind of keep everything bottled down. But for the most part, like they truly trust their partners um, until, you know, maybe something comes up in the relationship and they say, hey, you know, um, this is something that I've been thinking about or has been bothering me for a bit and we need to talk about it. Uh, one of the things that I find really interesting about dating, um, there are going to be in the dating kind of pool, just, you know, to, for us to kind of understand, there are going to be more people who are insecurely attached. So it's going to take a little while to comb through and find, uh, someone who is kind of at that same energetic level that you are. So if you, uh, uh, on my Instagram page, I talk a lot about the divine feminine, the awakened feminine, um, the wounded feminine, uh, and the distorted feminine, right? Also the superficial feminine, uh, whatnot. But, you know, these are different aspects of both the masculine and the feminine um, that you know, are kind of different levels of kind of where we are. And we can be at different levels uh, for in, in different aspects of our life. But if we are, if we are moving towards that place of a much more kind of awakened state, right, we're also going to in the dating world, we're going to be able to see much more quickly uh, those people who aren't aligned with us energetically. Um, so, you know, recently 
you know, when I go on a date or I do something like that, um, it's a lot easier for me to tell if a man on his healing journey that I am. Now, I'm not saying that it has to perfectly line up, but a similar space, um, partly in the way he talks, the kind of questions I ask, um, but also in the way that he handles himself, how he handles, um, you know, whether he's uh, overly controlling or whether or not it kind of feels like he's looking for a mother. Um, and so just know that in that dating space, as you are doing your own healing work, you are going to find more insecurely attached people because insecurely attached people tend to stay in relationships um, for a shorter length of time. And people who are more securely attached aren't as often in the dating pool because when they find somebody else, right, they do trust their partner. They're not typically very jealous. When a problem comes up, they're going to talk to their partner about it, right? And sure, things are still going to trigger them or whatever. They're, they're going to try to, um, you know, have a bid for reconnection, emotionally reconnect with you when they, or, or with someone else when they, you know, are in, um, a con, a you know, conflict with them. They're not going to attack the person's character, which means the other partner isn't going to become resentful. So they tend to have healthier relationships and stay in them longer. Now, that does not mean that there are no securely attached people who aren't also trying to date because relationships end for a lot of reasons. But just know that, um, you know, this is something that will also come up. And then lastly, one of the strengths um, of someone who is securely attached is that they also tend to be people who are friends with their exes. Now, I know certainly for me with some of the exes that I have um, that were more securely attached, I'm still pretty close with them. Uh, One in particular you know, we talk every once in a while, we check in with one another, there's no bad feelings. Now, what I've also noticed is with the uh, two most recent men, um, like I said, I got into one really bad relationship a few years ago, was a a shadow of the woman that I am. And um, there is, there's absolutely no way that I will ever speak to that man again, due to the way that he treated me. He treated me like trash. And again, that says a lot more about him, Uh, certainly than it does, uh, you know, me, but I still had to dig into me. Why was I attracted to this person? But so even as you are healing or moving towards secure attachment, know that there still may be avoidant or anxious men or women that you may need to cut ties with. But in general, when you are talking to um, you know, a potential partner, you're out on a date, something like that. Listen to how they talk about their exes. Listen to how they talk about their previous relationships. Are they friends with anybody? If they're not friends with anybody, and it sounds like they are putting, they're, they're not taking extreme ownership for anything, know that those could be that certainly uh, a red flag, but also, you know, know that you're going to have to dig a little deeper into that. So as we kind of continue this discussion on and move into more of the struggles of someone who is securely attached, uh, because they definitely also have struggles uh, within their relationships. What we really want to do is kind of dig into some of the reasons why, you know, um, maybe uh, things didn't work out um, and why sometimes all the right things don't work in the relationship. And so I think it's a really big myth that there's, so there's this assumption within romantic relationships, within couples, that emotional honesty will lead to understanding and understanding will lead to agreement within the relationship. And that's really not always the case, especially if your partner struggles with insecure attachment. 
Um, so, you know, it's really important to remember that attachment style is an unconscious blueprint chemically carved onto that primitive survival oriented part of your brain for how you learn to give and receive loved based on your experience as a child. And it has significant impact, of course, on your adult relationships. So if you are someone who is secure, it was an unconscious blueprint for you as well. You saw what you saw in your childhood home. You saw how your parents interacted. But so did someone who was or who is insecurely attached, or if you're insecurely attached and you're moving towards more secure attachment. Um, so the manner in which we bonded with our parent or our caregivers really evolves into a pattern of behaviors and expectations and attitudes that really predict how well we're going to be able to, or how well we were able to elicit a response from our parents in childhood and how we anticipate our parents will respond to us. Therefore, it sets up our attachment style. So why is this important when we're talking about becoming more securely attached, when we're talking about secure attachment? And so let's say that you in childhood really learned to identify, acknowledge, and honor your boundaries well enough that you can communicate with true vulnerability and emotional honesty in a very appropriate context. But if you have a conflicting communication style, and if that was really the issue in your relationships, and both of you, your partner and you, really cared about each other, um, shared similar values and wanted the same level of connection, but you simply had to learn to ask for those things in a way that, you know, um, you know, certainly might trigger each other. And you learned about implementing all the right things in your relationship, like developing healthy boundaries, practicing emotional honesty. It really should solve your problems, right? But it's important to realize, particularly for someone who uh, may have started with secure attachment, or if you've moved towards secure attachment, that your partner may have an attachment style that is in conflict with yours. This isn't to say that if you're moving towards secure attachment, you should only look for a partner who is securely attached or who started that way. I think it's much more important to look at how and where someone really is on their self-healing journey. Are they looking at their trauma? Are they looking at their wounds? Are they looking at their attachment styles and their childhoods and really saying, sheesh, there's really some wounds there. I need to dig into that. Are they then able to, you know, really lean in, in that kind of level of connection? Um, so if your partner has an attachment style that's in conflict with yours, it's really likely that they will find new ways to create and maintain the same level of distance and sometimes drama between the two of you. So, you know, even with all of the strengths that we talked about with someone who is securely attached, you know, they're not able to kind of be the the person who, you know, if, if they are with someone who is insecurely attached, they're not going to be able to magically make all of the issues disappear. Um, partly someone who is securely attached is actually not very equipped to handle those different types of, um, you know, attachment styles, right? If you guys, if your, your, um, behavioral patterns, if, if, if all of that is set up in a way where you're not communicating as well, whatnot, it's really for a reason because you as the secure person, um, or, or if the partner started out with secure attachment, 
they didn't have the type of exposure to insecure individuals. And they also didn't have the different types of adverse environments and circumstances where their parents had inadequate tools to help them um, and to, uh, you know, with them when they were in childhood. So there can be a lot of struggles with people who are securely attached. Um, Less so, I think, if someone who's securely attached is in a in a relationship with someone who is working to become more secure. But I think that even people in who, you know, who attach securely as children, they can be based upon, you know, again, their Myers-Briggs personality type, based upon their Enneagram type, um, also based upon um, their different feminine archetypes, they might be very drawn to people who are insecurely attached. I mean, I'm kind of thinking of a, um, oh, maybe maybe someone who's more extroverted, but also someone who's introverted, um, who, you know, uh, could be intuitive, uh, could be a feeler. And they are someone who also holds the mother feminine archetype. That's one of their strongest archetypes, wanting to nurture um, and maybe they're a type uh, nine or a type um, two or a type four on the Enneagram. And they they want to kind of um, nurture and love and create, you know, kind of a, a peaceful environment with someone. So they might be very drawn to people who add a little bit more spice to their life, someone who they might need to fix a little bit, or they might want to kind of help or save, right? And so when it comes to some of the struggles of people with secure attachment, um, and especially when they encounter a partner with a lot of... Um, themselves tied up in their insecurities, the ins- the secure partner really may feel very confused if an insecure partner expresses distrust or discomfort for seemingly no reason. And the secure partner may also assume responsibility for it. Oh, it must be something that I've done. Because again, they never saw that in their childhood. So they may try to assume responsibility. Um, another, you know, struggle for them is that they they may have a lot of difficulty understanding the sensitivities and defensive coping skills of an insecure partner. And they unknowingly will tr- kind of trigger them without realizing how or why. Um, so they've got to kind of get into the into the depths of um, understanding that person better. Um, they may be someone who has not been taught important communication skills, and the secure partner really might struggle to articulate their feelings accurately. Now, this is also very true for a lot of people and most people within our society. But think about it. If you were securely attached and you didn't have to work very hard to articulate yourself because your parent was there, they were helping you integrate your feelings. Um, Yes, you may have talked about feelings to some degree, but not when you're with the person who kind of either explodes or implodes with a lot of these these feelings, these emotions, either they they cling or they shut down or they're a little bit scattered. They're kind of all over the board, which is very true of um, disorganized attachment. So it might be really hard to communicate with that kind of person because you've never had to build those kind of skills. The only communication skills the secure partner has had to build is really with somebody else who is secure and can pretty easily verbalize. 
uh, what they need, what they want, what they're feeling. Um, another struggle that someone who's securely attached may have is um, a very naive or rosy perspective of their partner and the world. So there are people who tend to really want to see the best in everybody. Um, they haven't been knocked around in life as much as somebody who is insecurely attached. Um, they might have had to grapple with some things, but they haven't had the same kind of adversity. Um, their homes as children weren't really war zones. Uh, kind of like some of those of us who attach insecurely uh, very much had, whether it be uh, physical abuse, verbal abuse, um, emotional or psychological abuse. And so they can also fail to sufficiently reinforce and maintain their own boundaries, uh, which leads the secure person to really feeling very depleted by their insecure partner and not really knowing why. Another um, struggle that the secure person might have is that they may take certain things their partner says and does too personally and not realizing their partner is really caught up in attachment trauma in that, in that kind of uh, attachment trauma response that they're having and that it really has nothing to do with them. Um, This was actually a big one for me when it came to, um, really uh, kind of understanding my mother and her borderline um, was really that it doesn't have anything to do with me. It didn't start with me and I can't fix it. I can be there and be supportive, but only if she's really on that healing journey. Otherwise she will either or, or has been known to in the past verbally tear me down um, emotionally kind of tear me down, be very um, somewhat manipulative because she's she's trying to keep from these deep abandonment wounds within herself. Um, and so uh, either that or she'll break down and, and do the, the deep crying kind of thing. And so these trauma responses don't have anything to do with us. And someone who is securely attached, they haven't really had to deal with this most likely in the past before. They didn't have that same level of trauma, particularly in childhood. And so they will often take it on as, well, shoot, uh, you know, this is something that I've been doing. One of the things that I find very interesting about partnering with someone who's securely attached is that the insecure partner may be pulled up by that secure partner, or the insecure partner can pull the secure partner down. And the secure partner can begin feeling um, either fairly avoidant um, or fairly anxious. Um, I've seen it a lot more as uh, more anxiety, but that's just uh, been some of the folks that I've worked with. So, uh, But I do think that it could certainly be a bit of both. So just know that. Um, and again, whether you, I think across the board, if you are someone who is working on healing your own attachment wounds, it is perfectly fine to, you know, uh, certainly be in a relationship with someone who is secure, but know that you're going to have to teach them some things too. Hey, this is what my childhood was like. These are the feelings that I had. These are the ways that I've worked through some of this. I'm also going to present some of that to you in the, you know, in our conflicts and say, hang on. Uh, you know, I once uh, said to uh, my last uh, boyfriend, um, my ex-boyfriend was, hold on a minute. I'm feeling really triggered right now. It probably has absolutely nothing to do with you. And it probably has to do with something from, you know, something really old from my childhood, but hang on. Uh, give me a minute, let me regulate my nervous system. And so if a secure partner who started, you know, from that place of, of being very secure in childhood, if they have a partner who is moving towards being more secure and can verbalize some of those things from time to time, that's not a bad place at all or a bad relationship for the secure partner to be in. But I think it really matters 
on both sides, whether you are more insecurely attached and you're trying to move towards being more secure and you're with someone who's secure, or you started out uh, due to your childhood with secure attachment and you're with someone who is working towards becoming more secure. I think those are the keys. Are both of you working towards both self-sovereignty, self-security, um, you know, not need, you know, you don't want to be completely dependent on the other person in the relationship, nor do you want to be try to maintain complete independence. But instead, are you able to kind of, I almost think about it as a little bit of a, you know, when we're sparring in jujitsu or something and grappling and, you know, um, it's not to the death, but like you're, you're grappling with each other a little bit with that, uh, kind of, um, you know, that growth within the relationship, because there's a lot of things that a secure person can also learn from someone who has previously, uh, you know, uh, been insecure and is working on becoming more secure. Um, and I, I think for me personally, that's one of the beautiful things about having insecure attachment has really been that deep empathy. Um, I, I tend to be a person who is, um, very empathetic and also, um, highly sensitive. Um, I'm very sensitive to the needs of others. I have also had to learn how to be, you know, have a very strong inner masculine and a very beautiful, uh, feminine and, and have healthy aspects of both. But my insecure attachment also helps me deeply understand um, kind of where others are at. Now, that does not mean that someone who is securely attached cannot, but it may it may take them a little bit to kind of understand, ooh, yeah, wow, you've had some you've had some shit in your life. And um, you know, so that can be really important when it comes to your awareness as a as a partner who is either trying to become more secure or as a partner who is uh who was insecure and who is really trying to uh move towards um you know that that kind of secure attachment and you know why uh, just good communication isn't the only thing that a person needs in order to have a really optimal kind of relationship and a growth relationship, a relationship where you're you're constantly um, moving towards, uh, you know, self-healing um, and uh, healing old wounds, healing trauma, and um, really kind of being in the relationships that are deeply honoring, um, are deeply committed, um, are, you know, feel very safe, feel very loving, um, and make you feel like you belong in the world. Um, those are really important aspects. So I hope that this was helpful for you today. Um, again, I know that I talk a lot on the podcast about insecure attachment style. So I wanted to talk a lot more about secure attachment style and look at it from the perspective of, you know, um, healing insecure attachment and moving into more secure attachment and kind of how that can play out in relationships. Um, if you are interested in going a lot deeper in terms of attachment style, um, I created something called the Create Love Freedom Members Club. And that is a monthly subscription uh, where each month I offer a new self-healing topic. And um, there's a series of videos on that topic. And then there is also a workbook. And one of the... um one of the previous months uh, this year, I went through secure attachment and also all three um, insecure attachment styles and really looked at the ways to heal, um, the ways to grow, the ways to kind of keep moving forward, but also just simply identifying it and understanding that so much of having the life that we want 
um, means really taking a deep look at our childhood and healing that childhood. So um, if you want to sign up for our members club, you not only have access to uh, the future months as I put them out, um, but you'll also have access to all of the past months all in one place. It is very much a go at your own pace and um, work through your own healing journey. There might be some topics that you're like, "Mm, I'll get there. Um, But there also might be some topics where you're like, hey, I have really wanted to understand how to heal um, my inner child. I've really uh, wanted to understand how to set boundaries. Or for this month, um, we're really looking at that feminine journey. And so our members club is a community of women and um, really supporting. I'm certainly here to support your personal growth, your self-discovery, and watch as you transform yourself um, as you heal. Uh, Because that's very much what I've done in my own life. And I know that you can do it as well. So if you are interested in our members club, you can go to our website, which is createlovefreedom.podia.com. And you can click on members club and sign up there. Um, Or you can also go to our Instagram page. We are at create love freedom. And you can click on the link in our bio and then click on members club and sign up there as well. Until next time.